0: The volume. The Draymond Green Show presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now. NBA, college hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour. App is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus today. Start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FANDUEL.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1 800 NEXT STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1 789 7777 or visit slash chat, Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it, Indiana. 1 800 visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. one eight seven seven 770-STOP, Louisiana. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma-helpline.org problemgambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1-877-8HOPE, New York, or text HOPE, New York, four six seven three six nine new York. 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia.
4: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. This next guest um, I am honored to have is actually the first woman on the Draymond Green Show. And, like, initially when we first started, it was like we were getting guests and I was very strategic about the guests. And then, like, the way they were lining up, it just became a thing of, like, the first woman that come on the show. Like, it has to be, like, you know, like, you got to have a resume to come on the show anyway, But the first woman that come on the show, like, the resume has to be, like, insanely stellar because, like, we all love first. Like, you're the first to do something. It's the most amazing thing. So I'm going to go down this list. And just bear with me. Two-time WNBA champion. Two-time MVP. A finals MVP. Seven-time All-Star. My favorite of the list. Defensive player of the year. In 2020, quite frankly, when everyone was trying to say like she was slowing down, Defensive Player of the Year, stop the talk. Rookie of the Year in 2008, which was 12 years before the Defensive Player of the Year, insane. Seven-time RWNBA first team, three-time RWNBA second team, two-time NCAA champion, Two time AP female athlete of the year, 2008 and 2021. So we're going back. And and again, 2020, if the defensive player of the year wasn't enough for y'all to stop saying she was slowing down, I'm going to just go AP athlete of the year. Two time John Wooden award winner, two time Olympic gold medalist. And we're just going to leave the high school accolades where they are. This next guest. Needs no further ado, CP3, Candace Parker, welcome to the show. How Thank you, you so
1: much. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be, be a part of your show.
4: Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Now, with that being said, who, who's, who's the quote, the, the greatest woman of all time? With this resume, because see, they <laughs> don't mention your name enough in that conversation for me, and I have a problem with it. So I need to know who's yours. Like, we're going to start this thing off hot. We're getting right into it.
1: So uh to be honest with you I was a big um I'm a big era you know person I love
4: that I love that
1: And I can I feel like the goat is who you aspire to be like right like when you're in your driveway and you're trying to be like that person and I watched a lot of a lot of tape um and my dad was big on Cheryl Miller and so Cheryl Miller to me I know a lot of people didn't get to see her play and her career was cut short and there was no WBA for her to really prove um, what could have been. And so I think just somebody at 6'2 that could handle the ball, that was athletic, like you didn't see that. She was way before her time. So I think Cheryl Miller to me is, uh, is that.
4: I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, when he, like I knew about Cheryl Miller growing up as a kid. My aunt actually was a standout basketball player so I knew of all of the women that Babers I knew of all the women like growing up back in the day and Cheryl Miller like I feel like the respect that everyone had for her it, it just let you know like what she meant to women's basketball and with Cheryl it wasn't even about women's basketball what she meant to basketball as a whole like I think That validates that statement. And so I I appreciate you for that. I was expecting you to possibly go somewhere else. I feel like you took the media route on me. but honestly, the media? You don't take the
1: media route. Come on now. I'm all about
4: it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's Let's get into it. You know what? I'm excited about this interview because I know you talk a lot more junk than people may know you talk. And so I'm looking forward to getting some, if I can get some of that out of you, I hope so. But no, let's take it back to Chicago. Uh, Growing up in Chicago, and especially the the time that you, the era that you grew up in, you grew up during the Michael Jordan era, during the 90s Bulls era. What was that like growing up in Chicago, coming from a basketball family and being able to have that right there?
1: The expectation for winning from the get-go. Like the Bulls won, six championships, we, we moved to Naperville, Illinois when I was three. So we got there in 1989. And that was right before the Bulls started winning. So my first memories were sitting down watching WGN, watching Bulls games and Grant Park, where they would do the celebration. And I just remember loving the Bulls. Like you grew up with the expectation of like, we're winning again this year. That's how it is. And I think it was, it's, it's no, it, it's not ironic. I would say that I kind of fell in love with basketball around their second three and around mm-hmm. when the WBA started and just watching Michael Jordan. And, you know, I was a big Ron Harper fan. So watching Ron Harper and BJ Armstrong and Luke Longley, like that was our team. That was our city's team. And I think it just set the expectation of winning like from the get-go, like from when I first picked up a ball, it was like you had to win championships.
4: With, with with So you're growing up watching that. In the meantime, you have an older brother who's building a career and he eventually goes on to the NBA. What impact did he have on you? And the pressure in being a sister and, and as as good as you were with all the expectations that you had, But you have a brother that's an NBA player, and then you have to live up. Did you feel like you needed to live up to something due to that?
1: I was always um, in awe of my brothers. They are and were my heroes. And so everything that they did, I was trying to do. And I think for so long, I tried to play basketball kind of quietly. I really leaned on soccer and volleyball. Like that's what I wanted my identity to be, just because. I would go to school and, you know, kids would come with my brother's rookie card for me to sign when he got drafted and was playing in in Philly. Um, And so the pressure I think was there. And I kind of, for a while was resistant to it. But then, like I said, I picked up the game and I loved it. I fell in love with it. And I started picking my brother's brain about stuff. And I remember him breaking down basketball footwork and out the same as like, we with the soccer ball, mm-hmm. and you know, us kind of—he was that older brother, so we didn't have the competition. But there was just this huge shadow that I had to kind of try to recreate. And luckily, I'm not a shooter. Like my brother is a shooter, so I didn't yeah. really follow in his footsteps. I kind of had my own thing. And then my middle brother was just brilliant. Like went to Johns Hopkins, uh, went to Washington for undergrad. And so to follow in his footsteps and to get to their school and hear their teachers talk about them, it made me want to be great. And it made me want to live up to their legacy. And so I always say, you know, my biggest family memories is just going on a Saturday to the park and just us. And that's where we talk about junk, you know. Yeah, talking
4: absolutely. Junk.
1: That's where I learned, you know, it was from my brother. So not only, you know, my fadeaway, but also like to be competitive.
4: Mm-hmm. And that takes me to, so I feel like when I grew up, the same at the same time you grew up. Like, in women's basketball, I've always been a women's basketball fan, especially women's college basketball growing up. Like, Shamika Holesclaw, like, I feel like you were either Tennessee or you were UConn. Like, it was no in-between. You didn't one-year ch- root for UConn. You didn't... And so I was a Tennessee guy. Shamika Holesclaw, Tamika Ketchins, like, go down the list. And and then eventually I become a Candace Parker fan once you, you go to Tennessee. Why was it Tennessee for you and Coach Pat Summit over UConn and Gina Auriem? I feel like if you're a blue chip, you were looking at those two.
1: Well, Pat was different. You know, I think my parents knew earlier than I did that that was the right place for me. And like I said earlier, my brother went to school to become a doctor. He went to the best school, right? And for me, I wanted to go to the best school to be. I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play basketball professionally. But I also wanted to do more than just play basketball. I wanted to be a good human. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to, you know, do major in communications. I wanted to do all those things. And it just seemed like that place and that coach and that program would really prepare me for life. And I had a front row seat. To what it takes to be a strong woman, for what it takes to demand respect, for what it takes to be able to walk in any room and look people in the eye and know you deserve to be there. And I think it started at my home and then it carried to Tennessee. And so I guess it kind of came down to me telling myself reasons not to go there. Like telling myself reasons why I shouldn't go there. Like I wanna play in front of people. And we sold out and we led the nation in attendance my whole three years that I played. At Tennessee and mm-hmm. so to have that following and to have that legacy and I wanted to be a big fish in a big pond I didn't want to duck pressure you know I wanted to win a championship and be one of the best and one of the greatest to play for one of the greatest programs and so I think that competitive element kind of came out in me
4: no mm-hmm. uh, I, I like I said I was I was happy you went to Tennessee I always grew up a Tennessee fan in past summer so that was but
1: like with you going to play for a coach like Tom Izzo, mm-hmm. that you knew was going to prepare you. Like, nothing you face today was is a surprise because of what you experienced in college. Like, the, absolutely, that type of guy, you know?
4: No, 100%. Like, the toughness that you had to have to play for Tom Izzo, like, the things that I'll go through in the NBA, I'm like, it's a piece of cake. Like, I, I play for Izzo every day. You know, like, when when you speak of Pat, it, it speaks so much to me of my experience with Coach Izzo. Like, I love that man to death. I've heard you speak about Pat, and, like, I hear every, every opportunity you get. Now, to this day, you keep her name alive, and I honor that because Coach Izzo, for me, like, I'll give my right arm for Tom Izzo. Like, the things that he's done for me in my life and teaching me, like, I didn't know how to work hard. Like, what's that? Like, I thought what I was doing was working hard, like, teaching me how to work hard, to get in shape, like, how to compete. Like, one of my main skills in the NBA is competing. Like, I don't think people understand that's a skill. Like, Tom Izzo really taught me how to, like, compete at a high level. Now, I think some of it's innate, right? Like, you have to have some of it. But for me, with Tom Izzo, like, the reasons you're – like, I was going to go to Kentucky. Tubby Smith left, and I, and I, but I always wanted to go to Michigan State, and I didn't really have an offer. And then when I decommitted, I had the offer, and I went right away because I loved what Izzo stood for, and I knew the man he would help me grow into. And I knew it was so much more than about basketball, and that's what Which I've watched y'all have.
1: underestimate the value of life lessons in college, you know? Like the Absolutely. ball eventually is going to stop bouncing. It doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter. The ball is going to stop boun- bouncing and you need skills to be a good parent, to be a good partner, to be all of these things, to be able to work in an environment, uh, to learn how to have a motor and to work hard. I mean, mm-hmm. and you are constantly reinventing yourself. I mean, even watching you now, to be honest with you, I'm not blowing smoke. Like you don't, have to do this you don't have to but you're but you're setting yourself up for the next and i think a lot of athletes kind of ride this wave and they don't prepare for the next which is good you know sometimes you focus on what you have but the greatest advice i got was from michael strahan who on mondays after they play on sundays would get in his car and drive and do a radio show after games you know and so it's like absolutely that mindset and that work ethic, it comes from people showing you, you know, how to
4: do it and what it takes. No, 100%. I And I, like, like you said, in doing this, I think one of the best compliments I got about this show uh, last year when I first started doing it was Colin Cowher, who owns the network. Like he was shocked at how hard I worked. He's like, yo, I don't understand. Like, why do you work this hard? But like, that's all I know like I wouldn't be who I am today. And so anything I do, I I feel like that's just how you have to do it. Like
5: that's But
1: there's the way. a but there's a stereotype with athletes that it doesn't carry over into other things. And I hope that this generation breaks that stereotype because as athletes, we Are given tools. We work for tools that helps us excel at other things. And I think just now the world is kind of starting to see that, in that we are literally given the blueprint of what it is to work in a team, to work hard, to fight for an actual like goal that's actually a trophy and like, you know, you win something or whatever. (laughs) And that's what you're working for in the workforce. Whatever you're working towards your goals. So I just, you know, seeing you do that and to see you you set yourself up for an another another amazing career, I mean, it is, it is inspiring. So
4: no, I, keep it I, up, I, man. Keep it up. I, I appreciate that. And I actually want to get into that. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, I want to. So you leave college, you go to the NBA, and you have your daughter. You had your daughter in college. No, 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 so no, no. I, no, no. Her, Your, I left college. Year, second year. I
1: had I left college in May and I had mm-hmm. I was pregnant with her. I got pregnant with her in August. So I okay. had just I had just left. Yeah.
4: Were you scared shitless? Like because <laughs> you just spoke about being a mother and like how you wanted to be a mother. Like, the arguably the best player of a generation, and you're about to have a kid. At the time. Like, nowadays, it's accepted. Like, at that time, not really accepted, more frowned upon than anything, and no one really voiced in support. Like, were you terrified?
5: I feel as though I always wanted to be a young mom. Always.
1: Like, I always envisioned, like, having a kid. I don't know what it was. Like, I felt like it was just like, I was put on earth to be a mom. Like I just always envisioned having the family and having, you know, having a little you and, you know, being able to look at that person and grow up and whatever. So when it happened, yes, I was, cause it was not planned. Um, but it was one of those things where I kind of just, I didn't see what everybody else saw. And I think that that's my gift and my curse is that when something happens, I look at it as an opportunity where, okay, when am I going to get back? Mm -hmm. How am I going to work towards it getting back? What day? So the day I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, I circled on the calendar when I wanted to come back. Like what what game I was going to play. And the schedule hadn't come out yet, but I circled the day that I was going to play. And from that point on, you know, I would be on the elliptical and I would be on the you know shooting i couldn't jump but i was shooting and i was getting back and you know people are looking at me like why are you why <laughs> are you doing all this <laughs> so i think the biggest thing for me was the balance like my mom was at everything i had one line in a play and my mom was there and so for me i think it was more so not the pregnancy the get back like i just assume my body is going to be able to do what i wanted to do Mm-hmm. but it was the it was the balance of being an athlete and chasing after my goals and my dreams and having a child, and where Where is the gray line of sacrificing for her, where it's not fair, versus sacrificing what you want to do and your goals and your life? And I will say, I might have been a better basketball player. I might be looked at in a different light had I not had her, right or had I not been injured or whatever, but there is no amount of anything that I would give up for that. Like the fact that she's been able to be a part of my career Holy to God. see me, like we've grown up together. We've lived in China and Russia and Turkey and gone all over the world. We're going to Japan in a couple of weeks. And I just feel as though like that it, it was my purpose And, you know, I think it, it opened my eyes to the way that the world perceives mothers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting. And I will say the NBA has changed the stigma a bit. Like you walking in with your son for the tunnel, whether you know it or not, it makes a difference because guess what? In the media, they're asking me where my kids are when I'm on a road trip, you know? Yeah. They're not asking you. They're not asking Steph. They're not asking LeBron, like, who's taking care of the kids while you're gone? So the stigma that dads don't have to have that responsibility has been there constantly. You know? And so I think just, you know, I know I kind of digressed a little bit, but I think having my daughter has completely set up who I am and what I'm about. And I, I have a life outside of basketball. Absolutely.
5: I have passions
1: outside of basketball. And I think for a while I was tunnel vision and I lived and died by it. And I think as a competitor, it's good, but as a human, it's not. And yeah. so my daughter gives me that. Like she loves me no matter if I score 25 points or if I score three points.
4: <laughs> so, Absolutely.
1: yeah, so I think, you know, it It, it was a growing up moment uh, for
4: me, for sure. And And y'all immediately go to Los Angeles of all cities. To, to like have to deal with all of the stuff that come with that. Now, how is that adjustment with a small baby and moving to Los Angeles expected to be great? Like, all right, you just had this kid and you still expect it to be great. And I don't think um, people may realize it now, but again, we have to remember this is years ago that the Los Angeles, like plans for the Los Angeles spark right after Lisa Leslie. That's a big thing. And so now you're expected to carry that with a little baby. What was that experience like?
1: I only know one way. You know, I'm going to try to be the greatest basketball player I can, and I'm going to try to be the greatest mom I can. And sometimes I screwed up at both of them, you know? Um, But I will say this. I think I don't feel like... I feel pressure from the outside because the expectations that I put on myself are way greater than what anybody could think or want or have of me. And so I didn't feel the pressure. I think more so I felt the frustration of not winning right away. I felt the anger of feeling like, you know, you're kind of in mud a little bit in terms of your talent level and what you're doing. And I mean, I had a baby and then I was injured and then there were these expectations to win. And sometimes maybe the team wasn't built in the way that I kind of saw, you know, what would be beneficial to us. We had a bunch of heartbreaks and last second shots. And, but you know, all in all, I think I was just trying to focus on doing all I could to get that championship. And, um, I didn't envision like when I came in the league it was like how many rings do you want to win? I was like six like Mike, you know? to <laughs> win six. And then as you go through it you realize how fucking hard it is to win a it's championship. Crazy. How crazy. hard it is. And people look at it like it's just so easy and it's not. And so dealing with the pressures was nothing because I wanted to I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. I just wanted to win and so i think just that was what kept me up at night it wasn't what people were saying about me or anything like that it was just the fact that i wanted to win a championship
4: i feel like i feel like guys like the more that i've won and and like you just said how hard it is yep i feel like i have um a softer spot for guys that has for instance damian lillard Yeah, Um, like James Harden. You think of these guys who's had these incredible careers and haven't won a championship. And like I used to talk a lot. I used to always, and like I still will, like Charles Barkley, like never won a championship. Chuck, like I still, uh, I'm still going to talk about him. But there's also another side of me that's like, like James Harden. Does James Harden win a championship if he don't run up against us every year in the conference finals? Like, you, I mean, exactly,
5: would Carl Malone
1: have won? Carl Malone would have won a championship, or John exactly, Stockton would have won a championship if MJ wasn't, or Dominique Wilkins when Atlanta. Exactly. I mean, talk about all At, these guys.
4: Yeah. But, but then, but, but then these guys end up being discredited, like, for what they've done in their careers because they didn't win a championship. But actually, only you and I, and obviously other champions knows how hard it really is and all of the things that has to go right in order for it to happen. You got to be, like, you have to be healthy at the right time. You got to be clicking at the right time. You got to get a little lucky. like.
1: But people underestimate and undervalue the luck element. Absolutely. <laughs> because you know I'm a Golden State fan.
4: Like, Layla's favorite it. team.
1: No, I am. I've told you this.
4: Absolutely.
1: Like, if you look back on if everything would have gone perfect, right? Y'all could have six or seven championships.
4: Absolutely.
1: Right? Now, if everything would have went wrong, y'all maybe only have one or two. Like, we look at these plays as, and I've always said this, we allow individual plays to determine somebody's entire career, mm-hmm. like really, if Houston Rockets wouldn't have missed twenty-seven straight weeks, <laughs> like, <laughs> not, and it's listen, y'all defense is great, but some of things was wide
4: open, like wide open. Or, yeah, at least ten of Carl, them were wide open.
1: Or what if Carl Malone would have put the ball up like this, and Jordan would have come, wouldn't have come baseline and knocked it out of his hand? Like there's so many. Elements of stuff. So I believe that there's so, so much luck, but I also think you make your luck. Yeah. And like to watch y'all know, because there's a, there's a champion's mentality of knowing when that play is. Mm-hmm. Like knowing when you have to make a play. That's true. You know, and
4: true.
1: you can only know that when you've won.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You cannot, you, you can try to know it. You can try to feel it. But up until you win, you're guessing you're guessing when, when it's time. Like, is it time now? Okay, no. Is it time now? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, I feel like watching you guys and watching y'all last year, like, it really was you knew when it was time. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think there's luck, but I also think, you know, there's that mentality and that winner.
4: So So do you think, like, actually, as of late, Dame has been really outspoken about yeah about it do you think the flack that guys catch or or not even necessarily the flack but essentially how guys are dropped down the rankings because of not winning a championship do you think that's justified
5: i think in the past nba yes the modern nba probably not because i think um
1: there's so much switching teams and going places that then you're going to have to start not validating championships as well. Because do you remember when the Lakers did it? It was like Carmelone went to the Lakers and yep. Harry Pate. <laughs> yeah. And they went to the Lakers and it was just kind of like, like if they win a championship this year, they haven't won one before. And I think this is what I'm facing now. Like there's so many people that are calling me KD and, you know, you just switching teams. And I'm like, listen, at me, I've won championships, whatever, however you want it, I'll give it to you. We've won it the hard, hard, hard way. I've gone back home and won a championship. And now I'm deciding that, you know what? I don't want to play 40 minutes. I want to do everything. I don't want to, I don't, I'm cool winning near my family, picking me off the court, playing for a, a dope, Organization in a dope practice facility with stuff that I've never had in my career. Call me what you want, but don't at me with that. And so I think we have different ways of
5: validating and not
1: validating players. Do I think Charles Barkley is a freaking beast during his? Yes. Like Chuck
5: could ball <laughs> Absolutely. And he played during an era that was. Playing
1: against, I mean, so, (laughs) but I think now it's a little bit because so many guys are changing teams. So it's like, what is Dame going to do? Because you are kind of wasting a little bit of years. And I get it. Like, you want to stay loyal. And there's a lot of people that want to start and finish in the same place. And I think that that's admirable. But you also have to look at the big scheme of things if you care about where you are on the list.
4: So 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 are you saying KD coming to the Warriors and you going to the to the Aces are two totally different things?
1: I think it's two totally different things. I've won two championships.
4: So, so I think you're, it's saying you're so you're saying so you're saying what you did is more LeBron than than KD, essentially. <laughs> LeBron went back home, won championship.
1: I'll be honest, yes. Um I think LeBron moved to the Lakers. For for, yes, career wise, but also business wise. Yeah. Like,
4: absolutely.
1: He's talking about wanting to be a billionaire. Well, guess what? I want to be a female Magic Johnson. I want to be a businesswoman and I want to take female sports and female athletes and have them looked at differently in tech, in investment,
5: in just business in general.
1: And so for me, I think it was family it was business and it was basketball and it's like and i think that that was the main part Dremont, i have not had a locker in my entire career i've been in the WBA for 16 years and i have not had a locker where it has my name on it and i can leave my shit and then come back and know my shit gonna be there i have not had that really that's my own that you walk into and this is your own area nobody else there's no Old people walking through. There's no, and it's not to say this is a bad thing, but I'm saying like I fought so hard to like bring the WBA along that I've never had a practice facility where I can just go get shots up at night. We've always really? shared a practice. Yes, and so my thing is, is I deserve that,
4: right? Absolutely,
1: I deserve that. I've worked my ass off and have been a part of growing the WBA, and so for I'm, I don't want to fi- I don't, I don't want to. I want my last couple years, my last if this is it. I want this to be something that I look back on and I'm like, man, like I had that, you know, like I've seen progress. This is where we started and this is where we're at right now.
0: Looking to get more out of the NBA season? Well, now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21-plus in select states, FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FANDUEL.com RG, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342-ARIZONA. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas, One eight seven seven. 770-STOP, Louisiana. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit wwwmahelplineorg helplineorg slash Problem Gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1-877-8HOPE, New York or text HOPE, New York, 467-369-New York. 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia.
3: Listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Your now teammate, Kelsey Plum, recently went on a podcast and there, everyone's been outspoken about the Flying Private, which I want to ask you about. But also, she recently went on a pro- podcast and she was discussing revenue sharing and, or the revenue. And she said, I don't, I'm not asking for equal pay in the NBA. And I can appreciate this, Kelsey, because I actually said some things very similar to some things that I'm starting to hear these days a couple years ago, and I caught a lot of flack for saying what I was saying, And, and I was just like, wow, that's interesting. But I'm starting to hear more of those things, so I can appreciate what Kelsey said, which was, I'm not asking for equal pay as the NBA players. I'm asking for equal revenue sharing as the NBA players. What, what, is, what is your feeling on that as far as like getting the equal revenue share, you and your business acumen and what you know about business and numbers? What's your take on the revenue sharing situation?
1: Dude, I'm on the Draymond Green podcast, so I, I can't hold back here. Absolutely uh, oh, not. Um, so here's the thing, and I'm in agreement, and I heard what you said, and I'm in agreement with, the fact that in a lot of areas, the WNBA
5: tries to do things like the NBA, right? In their business plan, except
1: that. (laughs) Let's just be honest, (laughs) right? So I guess to me, I was big on, if I'm being
5: 100%, I feel as though we should not have a cat. I don't think we should have a cap. And I also think maybe to get to that point, maybe we have to de-unionize. Maybe we can't have the same setup as the NBA.
1: And I say that in, the NBA is made of stars, right? Mm -hmm. And this is no knock because I think if I'm an employee or if I'm a coach or if I'm a trainer, I'm trying to go and do what's best for me and my family. And if mm-hmm. somebody wants to pay me all this money to come do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to try to work out ways to carve out things where I can be successful. Right? Right? But what's happening now is as a league, a lot of times we're setting ourselves up to look like a charity. And I say that in a sense of we're paying our coaches more than our star players. We're paying That's our GM more than our star players. And so then what does that say about the product? right? Like, Absolutely.
5: they're not coming
1: to see Steve Kerr call plays. Mm-hmm. They coming to see y'all, you know? Steve Absolutely. Kerr, great. He has an amazing blueprint, but you can't have him make more than your star player. Mm-hmm. And so I think I from... And, and there's no league, no successful league, there, that is, in the United States, even abroad, that pays their coaches more than they play their, they pay their star players. So I think we're already set up not in the best light. I also say this. You know, I think that the way you have the product on display says a lot about the product, right? So even the pricing of the app is like you're telling me it's like 14.99 or 29 20 what is that saying like a product? <laughs> So I just think that all in all, even the jerseys, right? I went to Chicago and it's like, get to Chicago. Everybody's excited about it. Can't find my jersey. Can't get my jersey. Can't buy my jersey. There's no production of my jersey, right? Won the championship. People still can't find my jersey in an entire season. So I just think sometimes we set ourselves up not to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of things that have grown in the WNBA, Right. But there's also a lot of things that need to change from a business standpoint. And I think that, you know, we ourselves have to hold ourselves to a higher standard and ownership does as well. You know, like you talk about an MBA, you can't have millionaires. You gotta have billionaires, right?
4: Absolutely. You gotta
1: properly invest in stuff to see where it's gonna really end up. And I think we're at a fork in the road right now. And I think people that choose the right way like women's sports is going to be here, whether it's people filling a quota, whether it's television, whether it's streaming. But I guarantee, like, the visibility element, like, why did it take so long for the Women's National Championship game to be on ABC? Why are two of the hottest teams competing against each other on Super Bowl Sunday?
4: Like yes, we set ourselves that was up. crazy. You know I couldn't believe that.
1: But Draymond, if we would have went game five in our series in the WNBA playoffs, we would have went up against baseball, the playoffs for baseball. Do you know what I mean? So there's certain things strategically that I understand you kind of have to take what you're given, but also there has to be a line in the sand at some point where, you know, we start having a better blueprint for what we're trying to accomplish, you know, and I could go on and on about marketing as well. Cause for so long, when I came into the league, we were marketing to knuckleheads that were in their mom's basement talking about how women can't play basketball. Why are we talking to them? Mm-hmm. Like let's love it and let's love and embrace our, our supporters and our crowd and the people that really like women's basketball. So, I mean, last thing, because I'm gonna go on this rant forever, but you know, I always suggest and I'm like, everybody, similar to how you all go overseas and play, right? Everybody should go play. We could go sell out TBA if I'm playing a home game at Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Let's go play in Orlando, Florida when they have their big AAU event. Mm -hmm. You know, I just feel like let's go to Portland when they have their event and we're able to take a WNBA team who are future stars in the grassroots program. Let's play there. And then guess what? All those girls will go home with their parents and maybe buy season tickets where they're from. I just think that there's been so many ups and downs and we're still here and we're still here for a reason. So,
4: yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And I think like, The marketing, because I'm a strong believer in that. When I went on my little rant, that's really one of the things I was talking about. It's like, how is it that, because, and I want to get into this, which I said in that rant, let's focus our argument to who we should be talking to. Who can tell these stories? Because the fact that, like, people's, people will immediately say, Candace Parker from Chicago. And if you ask Candace Parker where she's from, number one, you're going to say Naperville. Now, that story should be told. Like, that would be the equivalent of saying, now, a little different, but it will be the equivalent of saying LeBron's from Cleveland and not telling the story of him being from Akron. Let you tell, like, I'm from Naperville. Now, that's Chicago, right? Like, you still— Chicago through and through got the pride, grew up in it, all of that. But you still gonna put on Naperville because that's going to get it's going to do way more for Naperville than if you just say Chicago, because of Chicago's a May City, right? Okay, so now who's telling these stories? Who's telling that Diana Tarasi's from the IE? Right? Like, why why does no one know these things? Because there are people out here that are in positions. To tell these stories that can help grow these games, I actually went. Ironically, it's Women's Empowerment Month. I went on this rent during Women's Empowerment Month, but I feel like there needs to be more of that. And if we can do that, now you start to grow the pot, which is now you start to grow. If you grow in the revenue, you start to grow the dollars that goes to the athletes. I feel like we like what needs to happen is need to go at those people. And that's just, that's just my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that, but.
1: Okay, I really feel like um, why the NBA is great is, one, because you guys are the most talented in the entire world at your craft, right? So you have to be good, okay? Mm-hmm. Two, what you just said in terms of telling stories and people being able to own who they are and tell their version of things. And you're encouraged to be you. Now there was an era in the NBA where it wasn't, where they were yes. like, okay, you can't be this, you can't be that. We've had that in the WNBA. Okay, then you move into this era where they're like, social media. Wow, people fall in love with these players for different reasons, and you're not, you're not wearing a mask, and you're not wearing a hat, and they're able to see you, and you're able to have the tunnel fits and be who you are, and walk in with your son, and people fall in love with that, right? And I just feel like, to some extent, that we're in we're back in the 70s and 80s when dr bust took a chance on investing in a product that nobody wanted and the the players were pretty talented right players could ball and it was cool but it was bigger than the game it was the experience it was um the laker girls it was the club it was feeling like you're a part of something. It was getting stars to come and sit courtside and make it cool and be, you know, fashionable and all these things. And I think the WNBA needs to capitalize on that, Like the WNBA needs to capitalize on that blueprint of being able to make it more than just the game of basketball, because Absolutely. listen, y'all play, I watch, I watch y'all play a hell of a lot of basketball and guess what? There's some games where it's not the best.
4: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: But it's still the experience of it all. Mm -hmm. And I think having Adam Silver, love him, hate him, whatever, I feel like he listens to both sides
0: in the way that you
1: all do the All-Star game now, in the amount of time you have off after the All-Star, in not having a dress code. Doing yep. things like that, and that has grown the game. It doesn't have anything to do with rules. I mean, stupid take file rule, I guess, was an adjustment this year. Mm. But it doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with the game. It has to do with the stuff outside of the game. I would like the WBA to do that, like capitalize on that.
4: No, I, I and I, I I think your um, example of Dr. Buss is incredible because if you look at it back during those times, when he made that investment and and took that chance, they were losing money at that time. And so I think everyone's argument is always going to be, but you're losing money. But if you get an owner, and I've been outspoken about um, Mark Davis before with the Raiders, and I'll give credit where credit is due. I'm always just giving my opinion and tell the truth. It's not really biased. It is what it is. I think what Mark Davis is, has done and is doing with the Aces, like I res- I have – the utmost respect for it because he's investing he's investing into the product and so and i mean let's face it in any business that you start you lose money to start it that's any business what you do it doesn't matter any business yes you're gonna lose money at the inception there's no way around it if you are someone out there that can start a business and not lose money at the start, contact me. I got some money for you to start a business. Um, but you're going to lose money. And so everyone's argument is always, but you're losing money. So how can you ask for this? And what you're saying is be willing to invest the money and know that it will be a loss ultimately to grow the product where it can go. And so you may need new owners. Yeah.
1: Exactly.
4: Like, that may exactly. be an issue.
1: <laughs> and that's, a seamless transition into the elephant in the room. The hot topic of the latest off season has been chartering. Mm
5: -hmm. And you know
1: what, my question, my answer to that. Yes. Do I want a charter? Yeah. But similar to the person that has $5 in his pocket, but has a Lamborghini that he got to fill up (laughs) and do all this stuff. I don't want the, I, I don't want the Lamborghini. I want more money. And so I think before that happens, players have to make more money
5: Absolutely. because the
1: product is going to be seen as better and more and exclusive the more money the players make. Mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah. be honest, like somebody That's walks so in, you can be nobody. If you a billionaire walks in a party, he gonna get in. A billionaire Absolutely. gonna get into the party. So I just feel yeah. like... I think that that is yes. I do want to charter. I think would make the brand great, whatever. But let's talk about dollars and cents first. You
4: know, absolutely. And and one thing that you just spoke of, and I want to get your take on this. I feel you. You spoke on um, how the how the WNBA is aligned. Do you think? And I want to specifically ask this question because it'll take me somewhere else, and you'll get where I'm going in a second. But do you think? Aligning the WNBA right next to the NBA is 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 it is it ultimately beneficial? Because for instance, um, you know, one guy's to come to the games and support, right? Like, I understand the support thing, but is that actually what's going to help drive the product, which is a great product, but gets overshadowed?
1: German, can I ask you, because we talk about um verbiage a lot Mm in usage of Races, right? Like we always talk about the way people use to describe even somebody that's like black and as a shooter, the verbiage people use to describe that person is way different. Or when you're comparing players, right? I was trying to find a comparison to like Grady Dick, right? And I was like immediately going race. And it's like, no, what he, let's compare him to who he plays like, not race. Like, you know? And Absolutely, I think the verbiage that we use for women a lot is support. Like when I go to your games, I'm not, I don't type in my caption, I'm supporting the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't say that. I say, Absolutely. yo, I just pulled up to the Warriors game. It's dope. Like about yeah. my daughter, we're saying courtside, whatever. And it's like constantly the WNBA uses support in their mm-hmm. caption. So, I don't think aligning the WNBA with a league one that is the NBA two that has been in existence for 76 years. It's just not a good comparison to begin with. And so, while we do lean on other ballers, it's other basketball players. I don't think we need to like have that because I think comparison when I say the comparison, comparison is the thief of all joy. Absolutely. Cause it's just like, you're not going to get joy from this if we're constantly comparing our all-star game, our signature shoes, our brand of basketball, our brand of basketball and points. Everybody wants to talk about we are low scoring. Well, we play, we play 40 minutes. Y'all play 48. Mm-hmm. You no, know, like let's okay. So let's get into this, you know? And so then all of a sudden we're sitting there comparing like, okay, well, how many points do you think you scored? You played 48 minutes or how it's just, it's not a good, it's not going to end up well for us. And yeah, so I so. think it would be better to just differentiate ourselves from the NBA. Yes. For a while, we needed all of this, but I think it would be better. We have, to some extent, like there's not many as t- teams that are affiliated with the NBA, but those teams usually are doing better, so, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just... I don't know. It's a chicken or the egg man. you know? It's like it's beneficial to' all purple.
4: so I'll be 100% honest with you because why not like I'm always going to be honest and I am a big fan of women's basketball because I feel like I who being someone that appreciates fundamentals if you want to see some fundamentals you go watch women's basketball and I don't say that in a negative way, because you, you not want to see some fundamentals, go watch the NBA. <laughs> Ain't no fundamentals involved. Like, I mean, the great teams, you got fundamentals, but a lot of these teams suck and they don't have fundamentals. And I always <laughs> say, I like to, when I want to watch good basketball, I'm gonna go watch me some women's basketball, because you gonna see good basketball. And for me, that's what I appreciate. That's how I play the game. I like to play the game the right way. I actually stopped watching the WNBA over this whole support thing because I felt like it took away from me the reason that I was watching it. I was watching it because I enjoyed the game. I was watching it because, like, there are certain players that I enjoy watching. Yourself, Chelsea, DT, Asia. Like there are certain players that I want to see play as a fan of basketball. Sue, like, and and there's a list, Brianna. Like, I there's some players, but once it became all about like, oh man, like you need to go support a WNBA game. I'm like, and when when I went, I'm just like, this, but this ain't really why I wanted to be here. Like, I want to be here because I want to watch. This game and it's a good game. And then also I have some friends in the WNBA and I will go support a friend because guess what? I'll go support a friend in a play. So if I'm coming like and I'm specifically coming to like I'm I'm coming to the game to support CP, I may not be interested in that basketball game, but I'm gonna come support a friend. That's a totally different thing than me sitting at the game on the NBA's Instagram. Draymond Green here to support the Las Vegas Aces or Draymond Green here to support the WNBA game. I started pulling away because with the support, then I felt like also came backlash. And what I meant by backlash is this. I feel like when things happen, a lot of times WNBA players, we have been like the ones being attacked about it.
1: Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to fill no, in. No, go
4: here, ahead. But, Absolutely. I,
1: immediately, I have a lot of NBA friends. I do. And I immediately heard when Ariel Powers went at, who was Andre. it Andres? Andre? Andre. When he signed on. And here's the thing I think to some extent, people are so quick to react and be defensive. So I have two takes on that. One, I know the the deal. 12, right? I know the deal. 23, like I know the deal of you caught zero, man, That's zero like y'all say that. Y'all we call say each that other by your numbers. <laughs> I don't I don't you know? call
4: Steph Steph. I call hey 30, what up?
1: Exactly. Okay. Right? So I get that part where people feel attacked because they don't know the lingo of what's being said. I also get the other side where you are so tired of having to defend yourself against dudes that can't
5: carry half of what you do every day.
1: And say they have all this game and come in and they shot is <laughs> broker than <laughs> these people and you feel you go through TSA and you gotta you got this dude that's five foot five come up to you talking crazy. So I see the defensive element. Now, it was directed in the wrong direction, but I also get tired as a WNBA player of appreciating whatever, whatever we get. right. There's a number of times where I'm sure you jumped on somebody where there's been a different perspective, right. For sure. Where you feel attacked. And so you kind of lash out and like, you know, go at them. So I see in women's basketball all the time, that occurring where you feel like, Oh, 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 what was that supposed to be? Mm
5: -hmm. You know, Mm
1: -hmm. but also guys that are trying to do the right thing or are being steered in this support
5: part of the game. And I,
1: I couldn't agree more that I think for a long time, we wasted time and dollars and marketing on trying to get the support from people that really didn't understand the game of basketball or didn't understand the WBA at all. And so I, 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 mean, I value
5: criticism in our game because I think there's
1: with more money, there's going to be more people that put time in to get better. Let's just be honest. Yep. Like you saw people in the eighties and nineties that were fat and out of shape come to training camp that did nothing but rebound and run down the court. Could they have made their free throws more or hit jump shots? Yeah, probably if they'd have worked on it, but guess what? It ain't life changing money. What am I going right. to <laughs> go get in the gym for? I think we're going to see better product with the women's game because more people are going to get in the gym or people are going to try to get better at their craft. It drives me nuts. People that take this shit for granted. It drives me nuts. People that don't put their effort and energy into it, it drives me absolutely nuts. And so, I guess from two ways, like I, I see what needs to be done. I see the element of support, but I also am competitive as hell, and you know. So I know I digress again, but I just think women sometimes we feel like it's a lose lose. You know.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and in, in saying that. Um... I think one thing you're saying, which I totally agree with, is your fan isn't going to be the fan who likes somebody high flying. Like, No, your fan is going to be the fan that understands and appreciates basketball. Now, what I will say is this. We are starting to see, and you know, first girl dunking games and all of that, first woman dunking games, all of that. But like, we are starting to see women be more and more athletic, and I think that goes into like the training that we're all we're, that we're all getting now, and, and all of those different things. But I said all I had to say this. So when people say, and I I know the answer to this, but these are for the listeners who don't know the answer. So when people say, "Lord of the Rim." Because if y'all was dunking more, then it'll be more entertaining and and more people will come to the game and they'll they'll come support and it'll be more exciting. So, Lord of the Rings,
1: talk to to me about that. We should just put on bikinis, too, then, huh? Some of us. (laughs) Um, I disagree. And I'm actually, you know, people call me on this, too. I I mean, it would be beneficial for me to play with the same size ball. Y'all have, too. My hands suck at fitting on the small ball. Like mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in let's all play with the same ball. Now, we can have a different color and make it ours, but I'm a big believer in playing with the same ball. Um, I mean, listen, Draymond, like we got to, at some point, you got to kind of fight the battles you can fight.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, I think the 90s was the last time that somebody out, finally outlawed the half court. Like for a long time, women were not even allowed to run full court because they, were, they, they thought it was just too exhausting.
5: Christ. We weren't
1: running in marathons. We weren't allowed. I mean, we just got allowed to be athletes. And so mm-hmm. I think it's for just sure. like one of those things where it's like, can we have time? Can we, can we have time where we don't have to fight for stuff and we can do what we do and ball and gain skill and all this stuff. And it's like, we're trying to change all these elements of stuff. There's different styles of basketball. Some people don't like overseas basketball, but guess what? There's a whole crowd of people that do. Some people don't like the NBA and they like college. I personally cannot watch college until the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But <laughs> there's some people that absolutely are fans of the NBA. That's me. There's some people that grow up and watch women's basketball and are fans of women's basketball. Like let's let our crowd be what it is. We don't have to go around changing everything. I think that's been the issue. It's been we've tried to change so much. Like you can't be gay. You can't be a mom can't be all these things like we've been told you can't be all these things for so long and so I think we were so far away from our identity as who we are and the communities like some of the strong powerful people that come from the NBA are a result of them being able to be themselves
4: absolutely I I I mean I am a product of that I've
1: exactly been
4: myself this whole time
1: exactly and there were players in the NBA that haven't always been able to to do that, be that, or have fought those battles to be able to help players in the future be who they are. And that's why your league is successful. Like, we keep talking about the rules of the game, and it's like, Draymond, I go, and I watch the NBA all the time. I work on NBA TV, NBA on TNT, all the time. There are games that are painful to watch. I agree. Right? 100%. Nobody's out there. Everybody's out there running around, whatever. Guess what? It's the swag. It's the tunnel walk. It's the rivalry. It's all these things. So, like, stop trying to change rules within the game. Like, let's really focus on what the product is and what it can be. I think it's coming. I think dunking is going to become more prevalent um, in the women's game, but it will never be the identity of
4: the women's game, ever. Nor does it need to be. I don't think so. Nor does it need to be. By the way. Duncan isn't in the identity of the NBA today. Yeah. Three point shooting is. Three
5: point shooting is. <laughs> right. Exactly.
4: And earlier on, we spoke about, um, setting up things for after basketball and you are well into your next thing. Not only have you set it up, but you're well into it. You're thriving at it. Um, number one, congratulations. It's crazy that we're saying this in 2023, but, but, but to be the first woman on the all-star broadcast, um, Absolutely amazing! You know, as a basketball fan, what All Star Weekend means to us. So I just want to say congratulations to you on that. Number one. Um, secondly, what's what's TV been for you? Like I know for me, um, for me, if I'm being honest, doing TV and podcasts and stuff actually helped me recapture my love of basketball because it allowed me to get back to speaking about the game and its purity and to kind of get away from the business of it all and just speak about and, and just appreciate the game. What is uh, going on TV? What, what has that been for you?
1: Well, first it's a dream. Cause I think it's the second best job. Um, I think playing is the best job ever. Uh, and I think talking about basketball, I do that anyway. I'm a basketball junkie. I go home. It's always on television. We can watch a whole game and I'm going to watch the roundup of sports center of
0: NBA game time, whatever
1: comes next, I'm gonna watch it even though I just watched the whole game and probably gonna watch it again. Like that's just, I am a junkie for NBA basketball. I'm a junkie for just sports in general, football, like you go down the line. So I think television for me was that ability to stay connected to the game. And I feel like I've had the upbringing of, being around a table with brothers and us arguing without Google. Like we couldn't Google the stuff that we were arguing. We just argued and we had points and things like that. So I think once I got on television, especially for Turner, where it's encouraged for you to have your point of view, for you to share your point of view, for you to debate, for you to argue. Um, And I'm doing it with people that I've looked up to and grown up watching. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was just one of those surreal moments where I get to do this, you know, and I'm not telling myself that just to say it either. I'm not saying like, hey, I get to do this and I'm telling myself to, you know, push through days. No, I get to be on television, have a platform and share my opinion and talk about a game that I love um, and get paid to do it. So I just think it's a unique position because I'm able to play and still commentate on the game. And so I think it's made me a better basketball player, but it's also made me a better commentator cuz I know the commentators I don't care for. You know what I mean? Like I know I know the commentators that rub me the wrong way when you make it like extremely personal or you attack me or you you know, degrade or demean what I've tried to accomplish or what I'm doing or my intention or you don't know something and you try to act like you know the whole story. And so I think it's made me a better person like as a basketball player but also as a commentator in the way that I'm able to critique uh 100%. individuals and stuff like that.
4: No, I can appreciate that because I know in me doing this, one of my biggest fears was like to not be the guys that I hate hearing talk. And you can very easily fall into that if you're not careful. Because it's accepted. Like and like
1: it's a hot take.
4: Yeah. And 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 <laughs> and, and it'll it's in some cases, it'll get you a boost, but I, I, I never wanted to be that guy, so I can appreciate that. But um, you know, we both have we have the honor of being teammates. Turner Sports, um, one someone who recently just left, but Tara August, who um, kind of gave me the opportunity to come in this, and who I'm very appreciative of. Uh, can you speak to me about Tara August and? Quite frankly, you've had the opportunity to work with her more than I have, but can you speak to me about Tara?
1: Tara August is one of those people that is so talented, so personable, and we talk about how Ernie Johnson has set the culture at Turner from the talent standpoint of that everybody's going to come in be respectful, have fun, uplift and empower others. Like you talk about that, and that's Tara on the business side. Like in terms of relationships and just caring, like there's nobody that cares more than she does. And um it's the little things, you know? Like I think she has done so much in her career, but she still wants to empower and uplift others. You know? And even though she's not a part of Turner anymore, we still talk, obviously, and, we, and I know she's going to, like, take over the world. Like that's just, that's just how it is. And um, I always look at people because I think the way that you demand and command respect
5: is directly related to the way that you give it. And I think that Tara gives respect. I mean, and she, she has a way of like, not, can I say this? She
1: has a way of not, she's done so much. She has so many things that she's accomplished. She's so great at what she does, but she doesn't want people to like know that, you know, and she doesn't want to lead with that. And I also see eye to eye with her as well because she's always in a room full of men. Yes. You know? Absolutely. And um and I think she carries herself the same way regardless. Mm. And I and I really admire people like that. So Tara's dope. She's the best human.
4: She is. She's super dope. I'm I'm very appreciative of her, like I said, and just giving me the opportunity and kind of seeing like, yo, you should be doing this. And and she's brutally honest, which I can always appreciate. Because as you know, you get to a space of where you run into, like, uh, the issue of, like, finding people that will be honest with you. And I can always appreciate her for, one, opportunity. And, two, like, no matter what, she's going to be brutally honest. And obviously great at what she does. Like, you know, when... you. Every, everyone will always see um, Ernie, Kenny, Chuck, Shaq, yourself, Jamal, Adam, myself at times. They see that. But they don't see Tara behind the scenes making all of that go. All of that work. The yeah. battles that she have to fight for that to be what it is. And, and look so, what it's
1: been because of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, absolutely. Yeah, for sure.
4: So... I I can definitely appreciate her, and, and I've taken enough of your time. But before we get out of here, how much longer do I get to appreciate your game and what you're doing? See, I came in the league, and I've been able to do what I do, and quite frankly, you you did way more, and all of that. Everybody talk about like the point four position. You've been doing that since I can remember watching you play basketball and, like, the brain, the smarts, rebound, and blocking shots, like, shooting the three, leading the break, setting up the offense. Like, you're someone that I watched. And, like, how much longer do I get to enjoy you playing? Well, here's the
1: thing. I always said it's going to be in the offseason that I know. You know? I think – when I can't prepare and train the way that I know that I should, I'm not going to cheat the game. And I've said that from the get go, I will not cheat the game. I will not be one of those players. We like, Candace, like, that's not going to happen. So I will say it is coming to that point. Um,
5: I'm also not a big, like go to half court
1: and get at every, I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah. But I don't know, and um, I will say there's way more basketball behind me than in front of me, and it's coming. But I'm learning to enjoy the process that much more. You know, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the daily grind that much more, so.
4: Is Layla ready for you to be done?
1: That's a really good question. She was all for this Vegas move because uh, baby girls followed me everywhere in the world, right? She starts high school next year. Pretty damn good volleyball player, to be honest. Don't tell her I said that. But um, She decided to do volleyball. She could do it. And um, it's time for me to choose her. If I'm still playing, it's still got to be about her now. You know, she's followed me around long enough. And so, like I said, um, I think it would be great to be able to be at home and be 100% present uh, for her and my son, you know? And Mm so I'm not going to be the one that's 40-something playing. It's just, it's not gonna work. And to be honest with you, Jermon, like, maybe I'll be 40-something playing, making 30 or 40 million dollars. But I ain't gonna be 40-something playing, making like, what we make. So,
4: yeah. <laughs> so, I can uh... dig that. So I'll tell you what. I only, I mean, obviously we are fortunate enough to make more, but I got four more left for me. Yeah. I've all, 15 has always been my magic number. And it's like the closer i get to 15 i i can agree with what you're saying the more i inspired i get to get to 15 like yeah. and i'm and, and like i want to get to 15 and god willing i can get to 15 and after year 15 they are like yo so about this next deal and i can say thank you but no thank you like yeah. cuz like, there are, like my kids you know like my kids like I, I want to go to Australia. I want to go to Dubai. I can't go to Australia and Dubai because when the when it's the season to go there, we're in season. Like there are and those are small examples, but like there's just so many things that I want to do yep. that a basketball schedule yep. does not allow you to do. Life. And, and so I feel life. you. Life. I feel you. Like C P thank you so much. I appreciate, I appreciate you. It. I
1: appreciate it. I gotta uh I gotta cut you in bones at some
4: point. Some wine and some bones. We can do that for sure. I'm always looking for somebody to beat up on on the bones. So that's not gonna happen.
1: I'm just we, gonna tell
4: you. Oh, I cannot wait. Y'all heard it here first. That's not
1: gonna
4: happen. It's I'm gonna telling you, you you um before we get out of here, you a Michael Jordan fan. Yeah. I'm him at Domino's, just so you know. So there's your warning. Uh, him, Michael, Jeffrey Jordan. Oh, Jeffrey Chica- Jordan. Ch- oh, no, I'm Michael Jeffrey out. Jordan, Chicago Bulls, number 23. Oh, okay. okay. Him okay. at Domino's, like him at basketball, I am him at Domino's. So that's okay. your warning.
1: Are you him in the 80s? Because you could be him in the 80s, you're not going to
4: win. Two three-peats. <laughs> I'm, I, I am him. There's your warning. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, CPI. Appreciate, right, man. I appreciate it.
1: you.
2: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington.